What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who gets to pick out his own Father's Day gift this year, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I do get a choice in the matter after all. Okay, well, I'll I'll take that and run with it. Uh, so we have a we have an ancient barbecue. Now, when you say I... ancient, people really do need to understand <laughs> this thing is probably I don't know, 20 years old, at least, maybe 22 years old. You've it, replaced it the inside of this a few times. It, it's to the condition it was probably 10 years ago. It is is a rusty mess that's about ready to just all fall apart into ashes. Um, but I've kept it going. I've added parts over the years, but I think it's time that I just let go of the blanket. This is like the blanket that the kid never wants to get rid of. That's it my is. barbecue. Now, this is not typical for most couples, but it does seem like over the years, we've kind of gotten to a point in our marriage, and we're good with this, is that if there is a special thing, a certain thing that uh, I would like to get, and, and you want to say, well, I'd like to get you this thing, well, I'll pick it out because... Well, we know that that works better than getting something that we don't want and then having to turn around and take it back. Uh, this is your grill and you are the grill master in the house. And so I said, let's, you know, see what we can get. Now, it is early, but I know that the way you work, you want to research everything. I mean, you want to compare, you want to look at the different features because this is your gift. You would never consider buying a stove for the kitchen without letting me make that decision. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of. But then at the same time, I am putting a few parameters uh, on your decision making process and you're having to consider these things too. As much as I want to give you this gift, and it seems like this is the thing that we do with God oftentimes is, God, I want this gift, but I want you to put it under these parameters for me. Right. And God's like, so what are the wait parameters a second. That you're putting, well, what are I the said, you're putting for me? yeah. The, so the parameters that I said to you, it must be bigger than the one that we have. And I don't particularly like the ones that have the side burner because then it takes up a side that you can't really put things on. I mean, they're covered in everything, but it's just one extra part that we don't use. We wouldn't need and we have to pay more for a grill in order to have it. It right. seemed like it's a good right. time of year. The reason why we started the whole discussion is because it's a good time of year right now to start that process. But again, like I said, it's like, oh, I want to give you this gift, but here's the parameters. God, I need <laughs> you to bless me, but these are the parameters by which I need you to bless me on. We are foolish that way. It's our human nature. It's our human nature. Yep. Yep. We do put parameters upon our asks of God. And what we oftentimes ask for, we think, we need when in fact it may very well just complicate our lives more. So when we, again, the greatest gift I think we have is our ability to reflect in our lives. And as we get older, looking back on the things that we might have wanted versus what we ended up with, we can see that thanks be to God, God was in control and God guided us to not exceed 
what we could manage, because that's ultimately what we pray for. We pray for peace, joy, and hope. Well, peace, joy, and hope comes from a place of of being loved and not focusing beyond the person we're loving. And so that's the case with, with God, that we see God, and as long as our lives aren't so complicated that we lose sight of God, then when we pray for something, we ought to be aware that whatever is going to be brought to us in the, in the response to that prayer, we trust that that will be something that will connect us greater, not complicated greater. So that's the intent. But how does that relate to barbecues? Well, if, <laughs> if we have a side burner, it's never going to get used. And if we have a bigger grill, that just means I got to cook more stuff on it. So I got to I got to reconcile that in my heart and my mind. Well, we'll place it before God and we'll just ask God to to just place before us what he recognizes we need for our family. You know, we do tend to complicate things in daily life and working through all of the schedules and places and things we have to be can get kind of full. Uh, Recently, I had an opportunity to talk with Deacon Justin Echeverria. He is doing his pastoral year. He's a transitional deacon. He's doing his pastoral year at Christ the King Church in Milwaukee. He was speaking to one of the school kids last week. And they asked him, what exactly do priests do all day? So I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to him about that. And then after that, we'll talk about how our complicated lives can be made easier when we trust in one another's desires for the best of what we need. So stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. Holy Thursday Mass commemorates the institution of the ministerial priesthood. But the Gospels don't mention anything about Jesus ordaining the apostles. Where does the Catholic Church get off thinking this? There are two clues. First, Jesus commands the apostles to do this in Luke 22:19. The Greek verb for do, poeo, can be translated literally as offer in the sense of offering a sacrifice, as it is in Leviticus 9:7 of the Septuagint. Since offering sacrifice is a priestly function, then this command seems to suggest the apostles were priests. A second possible clue is the washing of feet in John 13.5. This calls to mind Exodus 40, where Aaron and his sons had their feet washed as part of their priestly ordination ceremony. So the Catholic claim that Jesus wasn't the only priest at the first Mass is not unbiblical. I'm Carlo Brusard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Memorial Day weekend kicks off the summer travel season, and Matraday Radio's Hail Mary Media app is the perfect road trip companion. You're always a click away from renewing your spirit with live Liturgy of the Hours from Mount Angel Abbey and a customized schedule of your own daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also features a stream of Matraday Radio's live broadcasts and podcasts of all our original programming, including shows not available on the radio. Plus, you'll find cool summer activities for the whole family on the interactive community calendar that integrates directly into your car's mapping program. Join the thousands of listeners who'll be traveling through the summer with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to matradayradio.com for all the details. Wherever you go this summer, spiritual renewal is just a click away on the Hail Mary Media app from Matraday Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. 
it's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Day Radio. Will our wonderful priests dedicate their lives to serving the needs of all of us in the parish? Now, we who are sitting in the pews just often see our priests on Sunday mornings and sometimes during the week. But what fills the time of our parish priests and how is their vocation oriented to the life of the church? Well, joining me today as part of a new series, we're going to begin as he stays with us. Deacon Justin Echeverria joins us this morning to tell us a little bit more about, well, a day in the life of a priest or in his case, a very good transitional deacon. Good morning, Deacon Justin. Thanks so much for joining us today. Morning. Thanks for having me. So you are spending your pastoral year at Christ the King, and what a wonderful and active parish, because mm-hmm. not only is it a very large church, it also has attached to it a fantastic school. It's wonderful that you get to spend time with the kids at your parish, too. Oh, yeah. it's 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 been such a blessing to be to be at such a you know, wonderful parish and really you know, roll up the sleeves and just dive into parish ministry, uh, knowing that, you know, this is what, what the life is going to be. So spending time with kids at a parish, as a parent, I know that my kids, there are some days where they are full of questions. So many so that at the end of the day, I'm like, guys, mom can't hear any more questions today. But sometimes they'd ask questions and you'd go, Wow, well, let's talk about that. And you get into these really great conversations. You have kids that come up to you. And I think the benefit of having a, a young deacon as yourself is I think kids find you very approachable. They have some good questions. Oh, yeah. Plenty of questions, tons of questions about the faith or or the priesthood or even, you know, even things like what's your favorite pizza? I mean, anything, just yeah. even the human side of of the the priestly formation. So recently, and you're joining us today to talk about the day in the life of a priest, or in your case, a, a deacon, you had a, uh, one of your parishioners, when a child come up and ask you that question. Tell us about it. Yeah, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the second graders at Christ the King. This this actually, this question came from one of them named Keegan. She's in the Scola. She's a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful child and very talented. But she did ask the question, she had a couple of questions, but one of them was, what is the day in the life of a priest? Like, what does a priest do all day? Yeah. So let's start this. Now, we, we see them on Sunday, and we know that's a lot, that orients mm-hmm. a lot of their life. Of course, without our priest, well, there's no Eucharist, and, and so much is joined to that. But let's start the week on Monday. And and how does a week typically go then for, for a priest? Basically... Anything and everything could happen. Yeah. So in terms of a structure, like a structure to the day, and it can vary if you have a school and, and what your parish is like. But uh, in what I've experienced so far is basically get up early. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a morning person. You'll become a morning person. Really? <laughs> and, um, you know, so you, you get up early with a nice hot cup of coffee, uh, spend some time in prayer with the rosary and the, the liturgy of the hours. So the office of reading and morning prayer. And then at about uh, about 6.15 or so is when we go and open up the church, unlock the doors, get everything set up for, for morning mass, and then, you know, come back to the rectory, which is the, the house that the priest lives in, and we just get ready for, for the day, put on the clerics, and uh, first go to the church to spend a little more time in prayer, and then at around 7.45-ish, uh, Monsignor and I will go to the school to pray with the staff. Uh, the staff, including the principal, Sarah Tabor, will will get together and rotate which teacher or principal 
or priest or deacon will will uh, will pray for the day. And we even have a list every week of which students in each grade to pray for. And then after that, uh, about 7.55, we open up the doors and we all stand out there in the parking lot or, or by the doors to greet the kids as they come in. And then about 8.10, we head back to the church. 8.30 is mass. And then after mass, really anything could happen. You could have meetings. You could have, in my case, uh, depending on the day, Bible study, or also in my case, uh, lunch and recess duty, or, you know, and those things are kind of set in stone, but then you also have for a priest, you know, oh, so-and-so is dying at the hospital. You need to get over there. Okay. Or, oh, it's time to do confession or, oh, you know, I need to do this or that, or, oh, Archbishop called me. So it's a very, it's not a boring life. Mm. It's a very dynamic life, a very life-giving life. And the the dynamism of that the the ability to be all over the place and everywhere is through actually the gift that is celibacy in wow. the roman catholic priesthood so i want to talk about this and uh for a moment but let me let me get back sure. to the day and and in, in the life of a priest for those of us who work, we have day jobs. I mean, we have our set hours. Now, occasionally there might be emails in the evening or something to get ready for in the next day. Are there typical hours that priests try to stick to and that this is where uh, I, I'm going to do my work as a priest? But then you work to reserve time that is really downtime because we all know that. Well, everybody needs time mm-hmm. to rejuvenate and recuperate. Is that typical for a priest? Yes, it's it's very much encouraged to take your day off. So priests have a day off every week. Uh, in my case, it's Mondays, um, which is great because Sundays are pretty. They're you know for for your for your average lay person, it's like oh you know I'll go to mass with my family and then you know go home and enjoy the Sunday. For us, it's you know we have all the masses and RCIA and youth group and confirmation preparation. So it's a it's a full it's a full day. So uh, Monday being the day off is great because you just have this, 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 the busiest day, the highest day is Sunday. And then, okay, now I can take a break on, on Monday to just relax, see my family, uh, and then hit the ground running again on, on Tuesday when I'm back at the, at the parish. So does a priest have a nine to five job? Well, a priest is always a priest 24 seven for mm-hmm. the rest of his life. There are office hours at the parish office. So in our case, it's nine, nine AM to 4 PM. So there, there are hours, so to speak, in that context. Um, but as a priest, you know, it's not a nine to five job. You you could be woken up in the middle of the night because someone needs your help in the hospital or or you just got to be you got to get, re- get ready for what's called radical availability. Wow. Amazing. Deacon Justin Echeverria joining us today. He is a transitional deacon working as pastoral year at Christ the King Church in Milwaukee. He's joining us today, well, to answer a couple of questions that people often have, and it's going to be part of a regular series that we have with Deacon Justin. Well, Deacon, you said something, and I want to clarify for people so that way we understand. There are some requirements when it comes to things like the liturgy of the hours and also saying mass mm-hmm. is it, both of those things happen every single day for a priest or are there ways that can you attend mass every day or is a priest required to say mass every day? Yes. So on the, on, on that side of the altar with the, with the priesthood and the diaconate, uh, the liturgy, we, we pray the liturgy of the hours that is asked of us. Uh, almost a requirement for us. For the lay people, it is not. Mm-hmm. It's not a requirement. But for us, it it's a requirement. And the idea behind that is from 
Monsignor Sack and I in the corner, that corner of Milwaukee to Pope Francis in Rome. He prays it. The idea is the church is constantly praying mm. all day, every day. Even a priest who is based out of Antarctica would be praying this. He was okay. a chaplain who's a chaplain on a base there all over the world. It's, it's the praying church. And and the same thing with 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 masses, you know, mass is celebrated every day. Now, the laity, of course, are encouraged. I mean, we have the Sunday obligation, but they are encouraged. Of course, you want you want to pray the 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 liturgy of the hours. Wonderful. It's a great way to pray with scripture. You want to and come to mass every day. Great. Daily Eucharist. Be that source and summit of, of your life as Vatican II would teach. OK, well, fantastic. Deacon Justin joining us today to talk about a day in the life of a priest. I got to tell you, I do my work during the day and then I feel good about letting that all go and going home and not having to worry about this. But what we discovered is the life of a priest. It's really there all the time and you have to be ready at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. You said something in the first half hour that I want to talk about. And you said that all of the things that deacons do a transitional deacon like you and then a priest or a pastor that they do all of those things are available for you to do because of the celibacy that priests take on i think many people are puzzled by this Mm -hmm. so explain to our listeners what that means yeah so part of it is is we we need to change the language i think of how we talk about celibacy is that one might think oh they have to be celibate or the church is making them be celibate. Actually, I get to be celibate. I'm blessed to be celibate. Celibacy is not a ball and chain that's holding me down. It's not Mm. baggage. If anything, it gets rid of that baggage. It breaks that chain. It gives us the ability to love with an undivided heart and be radically available to people, the people of God. So one time I had somebody come up to me and said, you know, I always supported the marriage, the, the married priesthood. And I used to get a little um, annoyed at that. Mm-hmm. But now I, I get a little um, a little cheeky, as our British cousins might say. I say, great, me too. This is my wedding ring, the, the white collar around my neck. And thank you for supporting my marriage to, to the bride of Christ, the church. Wow. Which is the truth. <laughs> Deacon Justin, as we begin to understand this and we got to be open to understanding even if we have our own thoughts and opinions i often say when i come across a thought or an idea that i don't fully understand or i feel like oh i don't know if i would have done it that same way i always kind of remind myself there are people far smarter than i who have figured this out already pope benedict well, we need to go no further than him <laughs> to understand about what this means for you and he had thoughts about the priestly celibacy and the gift that a man gives to his parish and to the church as a priest. What did he have to say? Yeah. So from, from his book and I, and I absolutely love this title. It's called from the depths of our hearts, priesthood, celibacy, and the crisis of the Catholic church. He writes, and this is an excerpt from his address to the clergy of the diocese of Balsano Bressanone in 2008. He says, part of the priesthood is truly making oneself available to the Lord in the fullness of one's being and totally available to men and women. I think celibacy is a fundamental expression of this totality. So again, that's the charism of the diocesan priest and and the priesthood in general is we are called to be radically available. Mm. We are your priests. We are your fathers. We are your husbands. We are there to be 
to be available for the bride of Christ. Oh, I love that. And boy, Deacon Justin, what a benefit, what a blessing we are all here to receive of your vocation, of your diaconate, and God willing, in the future, we'll all benefit from your priestly vocation. Thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to an, our next conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a blessing. First glance, Scott, I think a person would look at the life of a priest, maybe they're a family, a large family with lots of children and go, boy, a priest only has to worry about himself. I mean, how how easy that must be compared to what all the responsibilities are that I have on a daily basis. But as you just heard, the life of a priest, 24-7. There's not a moment he does not live the vocation of the priesthood. And really, there's not a moment of his life, it seems like, that can't change on an instant to be available for those in need. Right. And I think that just really exemplifies the notion of vocation. Vocation is not a job. It is a, it is a life. And the priesthood is a life, like much like marriage is in the regard of vocation. We never stop being married. Even when we get in these little tiffs about what should I get for a barbecue or not, you know, um, but a priest, you know, they, they may try to set parameters to, to have their, their needs as human beings fulfilled in terms of rest and a break. But as exemplified by Christ, you know, when he needed a break and he's trying to get across the uh, sea of Galilee to get away for a little bit, with his apostles, well, the crowd followed him around the Sea of Galilee to meet him on the other side because they still want his help, and he gave it to them. And I think that's part of the reality of priesthood is there you can set parameters, but when the need is present to minister to the, the people, you have to respond. That's vocation. Mm. And I think that's really exemplified by what uh, the deacon was getting at, and he's entering into in his pastoral year and learning about what's it mean to be transitioning into something even bigger than his commitment already as a deacon. He's transitioning into be a father for a community, to be present there 24-7 whenever they need him. But the community in return needs to be mindful to provide where possible awareness that we need to support our priest, give our priest space to help our priest to be a fully active and alive person in that role they serve for our community. And so there's this reciprocal nature that should come, but oftentimes for a priest, I think they find they're overwhelmed by so many needs of the parish. And so constantly trying to, I, as a deacon, and I'm sure um, deacon was doing this in his transitional year, you're trying to remind people to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Priest is human and needs that humanity fed, which, which, is, which is oftentimes a break. From right. the, the melee of whatever the the issues are of the day. You know, for us in everyday life, it can be complex, too. And we have a lot of demands. But thankfully, we look at the things that we are able to accomplish in a given day now versus, you know, if we had been thrown, let's say we were the newly married couple that we were 34 years ago. Now, we drop those two people into today's life. Boy, 
not even being able to accomplish all of the things, but maintaining a great relationship in between would be nearly impossible. We have grown and we have become and we have learned and our faith has grown stronger and we rely on God more and more every day. That's allowed us to maintain. And that's, I think the case should be for every family is that yes, you should be present for the needs of your family right now. You have meetings that you go to on a constant basis, God, for your work. I mean, you're working from home and you are on calls constantly getting work done. And in between that, you've figured out ways to also be a deacon. We've also managed to work out in our daily lives that with me being on the morning show weekdays, I'm up at my alarm goes off at 430 in the morning. And you, you do kind of rouse a little bit. Sometimes you wake up the same time I do so that we, we have a little bit of time in the morning. But then I'm out the door and I focus all of my time here. But in between, I am able to connect with the family. I'm on my way home. I'm going to go to the store. What do I need to pick up? So that way, well, when we're back together again, we are present to the needs that have to happen. It is a juggle sometimes. And sometimes one priority is going to take precedence over others. And yet, well, when we can, well, we we maintain as best we can. And with God's help, boy, that's what gets us through. Right. I think that's the biggest nugget to take away from this is that we can do complex things and we can do it with energy to spare. But that only comes, I believe, from our openness to the grace of God, because otherwise the complexities of our life will overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. And we have countless examples within our community, within our own friendships we have. We see people who are just downtrodden by virtue of the complexities of their life. Well, how do they measure that and how do they filter that? Well, as a Catholic, we should be measuring and filtering through prayer, asking God, what what should I let go of? I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I need inspiration, I need hope. And through the through prayer, through discussion with Christ, the time is made. Connections happen. Things that we can't possibly have counted on other than hope for come through. And I think us as a deacon family represent that because what we have done seems to have been the impossible, but for God who makes it possible. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for our life, that so many things can can be managed in our life for the benefit of not only our families and communities, but for the glory of your Father's will. Help us to always focus and filter our lives through prayer, asking to do the will of the Father in all that we do. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and happy Easter. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.